It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is the Fox News Rundown Extra. I'm Dave Anthony. Today, a rather unsettling discussion about China, which the FBI director recently said is the number one threat to America, both to our economy and national security. President Biden had a two-hour conversation with China's leader Xi Jinping on Thursday, and there is concern Taiwan could be the next Ukraine, maybe invaded by China. Now, I tell you all that as a setup to what you're about to hear from retired Army General Jack Keane, who has been to Taiwan and thinks China will take action. We talked to him for our Rundown podcast the other day. He had so much to say about the threat that China poses, we could not include it all. Today we can because that's what these extras are for. We thank you as always for listening and hope you return and subscribe. Now, General Jack Keane on the Fox News Rundown Extra. Joining us again on the Fox News Rundown is General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst. It's a big day for President Biden, fresh out of his COVID isolation on Thursday. He is expected to have a conversation with the Chinese leader Xi Jinping with a big focus lately China's concern about a possible trip to Taiwan for House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Quite a bit of a thing, uh, a lot to talk about with the general. Thank you very much for being with us. Oh, delighted to be here. Thank you. So this conversation, the president and the Chinese leader, what do you think President Biden should be doing? What's his goal with this discussion today? Well, first of all, to keep... uh the avenues of discussion open and communication, and that's a good thing. I think this is the fifth time that they've had a discussion. President Xi, unlike uh, most of the world leaders, to include our president, really has not traveled since COVID. He has gone nowhere outside of the country uh, except to Hong Kong, which is obviously uh, now a part of China. Um, So whether... So these phone calls become uh, all that more important, in, in my view. And, and I think they're a prelude to the possibility of the G20 that's coming up in mid-November, and it's in Indonesia that um, – that no, it's in Thailand, excuse me – that um, President Xi may indeed go there, and as a result of that, there, there would likely be a bilateral a meeting or summit between uh, – between the two presidents, but listen, we're 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 the world's two most significant adversaries. We're we're both superpowers, uh, and keeping the lines of communication open, uh, as the United States did with the Soviet Union uh, for forty years, despite uh, our different values and the fact that we were adversaries, is really critical. Right. Certainly, the Biden administration recognizes that. I think as any. Uh, administration would recognize. Okay, you you talk about us being the superpowers, and you mentioned the Soviets. Do you think that the the U.S. and China are now on the same level? Well, I do believe uh, we're superpowers. Uh, Certainly, it's 
it's a revisionist ascent uh, by China and the number two economy in the world. Um, That gives them an extraordinary status in of itself. They're the most rapid-growing military in the world. And in the Indo-Pacific region, they flat-out gun and outman the United States, uh, and and it's not even close. Uh, So, yeah, they are, and they have a nuclear arsenal that they've developed that's not as large as ours, uh, ours is around 1,700 strategic nuclear weapons. Theirs is in the hundreds, but they, their, their uh, pathway uh, is quite significant in terms of its acceleration. Their weapons are all modern. Ours are not. Ours are atrophied quite significantly. There is money in the budget to begin, as there was in the Trump budget, to begin to uh, rehabilitate our weapon systems. But, yeah, they're definitely a, a, a superpower. And we're in a, uh, a new kind of Cold War with them. Uh, not quite the same uh, with Russia, you know, where uh, we had hundreds of thousands of troops deployed in Eastern, uh, in Eastern uh, on the border with the, uh, in Eastern Europe, and, and they had the same. And uh, we were locked and facing each other uh, for 40 years. There is a growing concern of some sort of a U.S. versus China clash ramped up if House Speaker Nancy Pelosi does indeed go to Taiwan, like there are reports she was planning to do in August, this has not happened where a Speaker of the House has gone to Taiwan since Newt Gingrich 25 years ago. Yeah. Good idea, bad idea for her to go there, in your opinion? I think it's a good idea to go, but with some qualifications. Uh, so our audience understands. In 1979, the Taiwan Relations Act was written. And the purpose of that was we were no longer going to recognize Taiwan in terms of diplomatic relations, and we were entering into diplomatic relations with mainland China. And that document governs the relationship between the United States and China as it pertains to Taiwan. And what came about then was the one China, two systems policy that both sides agreed to. And the principal governing edict of that Relations Act of 1979 was that stability and security should be the interest of both parties when it comes to the Taiwan Straits. And what has happened, though, in the years ensuing from that is the Chinese Communist Party, particularly under President Xi, have have become very aggressive in terms of intimidating and coercing Taiwan. All the countries that continue to recognize Taiwan, China bullied them into breaking off diplomatic relations with them, or else you would suffer the consequences economically with us. So I think Taiwan is down to having relations with seven or eight countries. We have a representative in Taiwan and something that looks like an embassy, and I've been to it, but we don't call them an ambassador. They have a person, a representative here in the United States living in something that looks like an embassy, and I've, and I've met with her, and we don't refer to her as an ambassador. She's a representative of, of, of Taiwan. But what we have done through the years is we have self-imposed enormous restrictions on ourselves that are completely unnecessary. By that, I mean senior policymakers, senior military leaders do not visit Taiwan, only low levels. Why? Because when we started to do that or continued to do it, the Chinese got their hair on fire, and we shut it down. 
listen to this. I mean, we have war plans, and I've seen them, uh, that are classified. And Indo-Pacific holds the war plans, and so does the Joint Staff. And they're approved all the way up to the President of the United States that if war breaks out over Taiwan with China, and the, United, the President makes a decision to defend Taiwan, we, have, we do no military exchanges. None of our senior military leaders go to Taiwan to talk about the possibility of war and how would we synchronize our operations together. We don't even do tabletop computer exercises with them, much less actual exercises at sea or on land. That is grossly irresponsible, given the fact that there certainly is potential for war with China over Taiwan, and yet we're doing nothing to properly prepare for it. This is all, David, so our audience understand, this is all self-imposed. We didn't have any agreement with the Chinese. This is what we have done to ourselves. And I've been advocating with this administration, as well as the previous one, we've got to send our policymakers, both on the civilian side and on the military side, to Taiwan, and let's start taking the gloves off and getting serious about properly defending Taiwan. I mean, I think we've learned a lot from what Russia is doing in Ukraine All right. and the fact that we were not able to deter them. All right. So, yeah. yeah. Does, does she have the right to go? Yes. Now, why is President Xi so frustrated about this? It seems to, it seems to me that the level of pushback over this one visit is more than I have seen in the past. Now, certainly this has something to do with who she is, third in line to the presidency. But the, the, uh, the, 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 the real issue, I believe, from talking to my insiders, um, is that President Xi's National Party Congress, where he's going to be enshrined for a third term and likely an indefinite term, is just a several weeks off. They, they are having challenges with their economy and pushback inside the, uh, the country with a, a number of critics. They don't want anything like this embarrassing President Xi prior to that meeting, which I think explains the heated rhetoric around this thing. Okay. Uh, so I, do I think she should go? Yes. What I would, if, if I was sitting at around the table discussing this, I would say, well, maybe the best option here um, is to delay the visit. In other words, continue. We're committed to the visit, but given circumstances that are arising, we're just going to delay it and actually tell them when you're going to do it. All right. Uh, now, but there know, are some who have said, General, uh, you know, if, if she doesn't go through with this visit, you're giving the Chinese a victory that they 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 basically bullied us into not going. Well, I'm not saying not going. I'm just saying change the date. You know, we get past President Xi's uh, National Party Congress. That's all I'm saying. OK, but does that uh, does that gives him a victory, though? That gives him what he wants. No, I don't think it does. Okay, uh, I, I, I don't think it, I don't think it. you're still scheduling the visit. She's still going to go. There's still going to be, you know, they'll pull her hair out, but probably not not as much. No, I, I don't. I mean, to walk away from the visit entirely that's 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 foolishness, uh, and we shouldn't. I mean, I, I, I think this should, as I said. I mean, I would up the ante in terms of the number of visits we need and the amount of training we need. The administration is self deterring self-deterring ourselves we over ukraine failed self-deterring here has been failing for years what has happened here we're pulling back and not doing what we what we normally would do with a country and the chinese are just getting more aggressive every single year 
So self-deterring ourselves hasn't worked at all. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Let's go back to May. The president was in Tokyo. A journalist asked, are you willing to get involved militarily to defend Taiwan if it comes to that? This goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago. The president said yes. That's the commitment we made, which then became a big story. And some people said the president committed a gaffe because it went against the so-called one China policy. What did you think of what he did in May? Was it a gaffe or what is he on the right track? What happened? Well, I think he just spoke honestly, you know, about where he really is and his head on it. And And what does it mean? Yes. What would we do if Taiwan was actually attacked by China? What would we do? Well, right now we have an ambiguous policy where we don't state that we would defend China, but we state that or we Taiwan, would do everything. Right. I mean, Taiwan. We would do everything in our power to help Taiwan defend itself. But I, I think that given this, the sheer aggressiveness of President Xi, he's the one that has broken the Taiwan Relations Act in terms of both parties' interest in stability and security of the Taiwan Straits. But there's anything but stability and security because of his motivations. And I think a clear, unequivocal statement that says by the United States, if you attack Taiwan militarily in any way, the United States will come to Taiwan's defense and we will encourage our allies to do the same. Period. Okay. That is the statement that should be made. Would it be like Ukraine, where we just send weapons, or would the U.S. military actually get involved? No, no. We're saying we're going to fight. We're saying that the, the weight of the United States military will come down on you with everything that we have to stop your aggression in, ter- in terms of trying to seize Taiwan. Now, so our audience understands the there's an all-out scenario, which is this is an island 100 miles off the shore, tough waters in 100 miles, an amphibious assault, parachute landings, helicopters assaults, air and missile attacks, significant. All of that would take place to seize the island. That is the worst-case scenario. China has lots of other options. Blockade, a, a port, and see what happens. There's islands that Taiwan owns that are right off the coast of mainland China. I mean, in view of mainland China. Those islands belong to Taiwan. China could plop military down on those islands and see what happens. In other words, there are lesser options for the Chinese to test the will of the United States and the will of Taiwan and also our allies in the region, short of an all-out invasion. And, and certainly there are options that the United States has in response to all of that. Okay. And, and, and they, they're working through those options. But, yes... It's time uh, to get back to your point, and it's a good one. And I'm glad you brought up uh, Biden's May statement. It's time for an unequivocal statement because you can see the aggression that's taking place here. And just flat tell them, if, if if your intent here is to attack Taiwan, you can expect the United States to defend Taiwan with our allies. Obviously, with all your expertise in war, what would it mean if the U.S.? had a direct conflict with China like that, what could that escalate into? That would be, I think it would remain at the conventional level. 
Uh, but certainly when uh, two nuclear powers are fighting a conventional war, something we tried to avoid with the Soviet unions and successfully did. I mean, we had indirect conflicts uh, dealing with the Soviet Union in Korea and also in, uh, in Vietnam to contain communism, but we never directly fought them. Certainly there is danger of a nuclear exchange and, you know, a world holocaust as a result of something like that. It, the potential is horrific. Um, and that is what I think, at, at the end of the day, also uh, kept the Soviet Union and the United States from ever entering into a conventional war. But nonetheless, if we did, this would be formidable, because when we play war games right now, David, and I've played them, um, and, not, and I mean just a couple of years ago, um, when we try to come to the defense of Taiwan, you know, we're challenged. Uh, we're very challenged to win. We, so we don't. Basically, you're saying we don't win in that conflict. In the way you, in the computer modeling, we don't win. Yeah, and that that's true. But now that's that doesn't mean we would definitely lose. I mean, computer games um, it can. What what I value in uh, in computer war games, David, having done so many of them, it it really does point out the vulnerabilities that we have, as well as our strengths and what the enemy's vulnerabilities are. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned less about, uh, you know, the win-lose. I'm not being flippant about it uh, because the red team is American and they're playing the Chinese Communist Party and the PLA, and they know so much about us, much more so than our enemy does, about how we really do things uh, inside of ourselves. So they have a decided advantage. But nonetheless, listen, this would be formidable. Uh, but we are we are catching up. They our deterrence in the Pacific has eroded because of the 9-11 wars. It was a priority. Eight years of budget dec dec declinations in the, in the Obama administration. Trump began to uh, build our way out of this with increased budgets. This budget appears what the Senate has and the Congress has done uh, to increase the budget, get beyond uh, the inflation problem that we have. It's going to take us four or five years uh, still to dig ourselves out of the hole uh, we made for ourselves so we actually have a deterrence. We don't want to fight the Chinese. We want to make certain that they know full well that when they look at us, they don't see a military advantage. They see a cost that's too high to be able to conduct a military operation against Taiwan based on what the United States and the Allies would do to them. We're imposing too great a cost. Right. That is the that is the deterrence we had with the Soviet Union. They knew they came across that border. Uh, the cost would be very, very high to their conventional forces, casualties, etc. They're watching also, like like everybody, what's happening in Ukraine, and it hasn't gone oh, as well as yeah, as well absolutely. as Russia had hoped, right? No, they're they're, they're watching it uh, absolutely. But here, here's my concern: is that she, as opposed to watching what's happening there, pauses and says, "Well." Maybe we got to think twice about doing this. I, I, I don't think that's where he is. He's got economic headwinds right now, and they're going to get worse. He knows full well the United States is rearming in the Indo-Pacific with more modern weapons and more capabilities. Every year we're going to put more into it. And so in four or five years, we're going to have that deterrence. At least that's our goal. And that, and we would be much more difficult to deal with at that point. The incentive for him is to do something sooner rather than later, you know, in, in three to five years. Do you think that's really possible? 
Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. If you just listen to President Xi and what he, what he, the speeches that he makes in Chinese to it, in Chinese conferences and audiences, you know, which do get so, uh, translated by uh, various think tanks and entities, uh, he has said time and time again, uh, the Taiwan issue will be resolved uh, while I'm the leader of China. I will resolve this issue one way or the other. And if it takes force, it will take force. I mean, those are my words applying to his thoughts. Hey, Vladimir, That's what he has been saying. Vladimir Putin said he was going to go into Ukraine. We didn't believe him, and he did, right? Yeah. And, and think of Putin's rationale was Ukraine is really a part of Russia. and has always been historically, and this is fabrication on his part, uh, but that, that was his basis for doing this. He sees it an integral part of Russia, and eventually the Russian Empire is what he's trying to restore. President Xi talks the same way. This is, this is just another province uh, in China, and this is a part of China uh, historically. That's also falsehood. Um, but nonetheless, he lays claim, and he uses the same basis for laying claim to it, the same rationale for his willingly, willing to use uh, aggression to take it back yeah yeah so that yeah that's a very good analogy that you're making well it sounds like the stakes are very high for the president on thursday and beyond yeah yeah they continue to be this is our number one adversary in the world even though uh, putin is certainly is a huge problem for us and he's reset entire security framework in europe for years to come um and and, and there's an issue but this is the number one national security threat to the united states General Jack Keane, retired four-star general, chairman of the Institute for the Study of War, Fox News senior strategic analyst. As always, good to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, take care, Dave. Thank you. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Precise, personal, powerful. Is America's weather team in the palm of your hands? Get Fox weather updates throughout your busy day, every day. Subscribe and listen now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table to Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts.